going to read this morning just from a psalm that sums up some of what, we're going to, what we've been saying, and it's a very short psalm. It's from Psalm 8, these words. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've made your glory in the heavens. Through the praises of infants and children, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. But you've made them a little lower than the angels, crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hand and put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds and the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Nope. On that one. I don't know if you know what this is. It's one of my bad pictures from a holiday. I get to show some holiday pictures at this point. Do you know what it is, Samuel? It's a glowworm. Has anyone seen a glowworm? Yeah, we have. We only ever seen them in one place, which is when we go on holiday to France in a campsite, we seem to see glowworms. And they are amazing. They look like they're something out of Disney. You know, they can't really look real as you see them just shining there underneath a bush. But there they are, and they are fantastic. But one of the other things I like about when I'm camping is being able to look at the night sky away from the night pollution. I don't know if you can see that. That was a picture I took myself, and it's the plough. And you know, you know what, I don't know if you ever get that when you go on holiday, particularly away from the city, and you look up and you see all the stars and the constellations. It's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. You need to get away and you need to find a cloudless night and it needs to be warm enough in Scotland to stand out in a cloudless night. That's, so that's one night a year. But there we have it. All of that wonder. The sky. These are pictures I managed to take in the campsite that points to the glory of God. The reality of God. The problem is that reality of God for us most of the time is blocked out by blooming streetlights. And artificial things that distract us from the sight star above, which is really quite ironic because actually when you think of the size of a star or a sun, the tiny little street light that only lasts for a few times till the bulb glows is blocking it out, that light that has existed for so, so long. King David stood on the hillside, perhaps looking after the sheep, looking out at the stars above him reflecting on God, feeling the enormity of the sky. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name, he sung. The irony, of course, is that the Sagamist didn't know the half of it. He looked up and he saw just that little bit of the sun and the moon and the stars. And he looked at how wonderful that is. We know so much more in the age of telescopes. We know that there are millions and millions of stars and the sheer size of it. He looked up at the sun, which I guess when you looked up isn't that big at the best. We know that you can fit a million earths into the volume of the sun. A million earths into the volume of the sun, and the sun is just a small part 
of the Milky Way. You know, if the whole of the galaxy was the size of Europe, then our solar system would be the size of a teacup. And the earth would be a little speck in the side of the teacup. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The skies blew the psalmist away. And with our telescopes and all that we have, how much more should it blow us away? This is a picture that was in the newspapers just last month. It's from the James Webb Telescope. It's not a chorizo, apparently one of their was, but it's from the James Webb Telescope looking at all the things that you can see. Does that make you go, wow? Where's that on the wonder scores? Ten, that's right. Ten, Luke, absolutely. That's what King David was seeing when he saw all of that. So what do we learn from all of that? The first is that God is, as we were singing, a great big God, an enormous God. He made all of this. And do you know what the psalmist says? He says, this was just his finger painting. He didn't use his hands or his arms or his whole body. He just used the tips of his fingers and he made all of this. What a wonderful God we have. Science and beauty lead us to worship. And in fact, the more the scientists tell us, the more we should be led to worship. I, again, just to put this in its enormity, 93 million miles is the distance to the, the sun. And if you think of 93 million miles being the thickness of a paper, in order to get to the nearest star, which is Alpha Centauri, you would need a stack of papers as high as the ceiling. And if you were to go to the edges of this galaxy, you would need a stack of papers 310 miles high. And that's just the edge of this galaxy. The scientists reckon there may be as many as um, billions of galaxies within our universe. And Hebrews tells us that God sustains all this with a word. The question, what type of God is this? And the very practical question for us is this. If you invite this God into your life, are you saying, big God, will you come and be my helper and my assistant and give me a bit of a hand? Or are you inviting one with whom the only response possible can be worship and total surrender to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord Almighty? And what does it say about creation? Now, when we were at Holiday Club, I know I bored some of the leaders by banging on about recycling. But do you know why that's important? Imagine for a moment that you were invited to go to Buckingham Palace. Would you get there with your muddy boots on, not bother wiping your feet, stick your fingers up and throw your crisp packet on the ground? Would you do that? Maybe some of you would. But actually, you wouldn't, because it's a bit of disrespect, isn't it? If we get a sense of this earth and this universe belonging to this amazing God who created all of this, then surely 
If we treat Him with respect, we treat His world with respect. And that means that we look after our planet. It means so much more than that. That's what we were talking about when we were doing our recycling. But you know what the big question of the psalm is? The psalmist says, what are human beings that you think of? See, when you look at the sky, you have the feeling of being very small. Because I know I do. And that's terrifying sometimes. I'm just tiny. If the earth is a speck in a coffee cup, what am I? And the other thing that we know that those that wrote the Psalms didn't know is this earth, this world, this universe is billions of years old. I'm just a flicker here for a short time. Why am I even remotely important? And David seems to get that, and he says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Now, for a believer, this asks many questions. If God made this huge, big world, why would I think he cared for me? But if you're not a believer, then it raises even bigger questions for an atheist. If the universe just treats you as an accident that's there for a second, if the universe is blind to your existence, then nothing you do can possibly matter. You can be Mother Teresa, or you can be Genghis Khan in your life, and it won't make any difference to the universe. The universe doesn't care, and in a flicker, it'll have forgotten it all anyway. There is no point. It makes no difference, which is a huge big problem because in our technology today, we have the psychologist telling us that people need to know that they have self-worth, that they matter, that they're valuable. They need to treat other people as if they were valuable. And at the same time, along comes the evolutionary biologist without a sense of God and says, well, that's not true. You're just an animal here for a minute in a vast cosmos that doesn't care for you. But of course, that's not where the eyes of faith go. David says of human beings, you're made just lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor, made rulers over the works of hands with everything under your feet. He's stretching for language which says human beings are made in the image of God, reflecting something of the glory and the honor of God in their very beings. It's God's love that gives us significance. God is mindful of us. He cares for us. Does anyone have a King James Bible? Anyone got a King James? You can own up, it's all right. I'm not going to tell you off. You got a King James Bible. More importantly, does anyone read a King James Bible? If you read the King James Bible, and I'll, I'll encourage you for once to go and open it and read what it says, Psalm 8, verse 4, because it actually says, the Lord says, man that he is mindful of him, the son of man, that thou visiteth him. The idea isn't just that God stands off and says, I care for him. The idea is that God gets involved, that God comes down. He becomes the God of this people Israel. And that's what amazes David, that the Lord comes. And of course, the New Testament, we can go further because the New Testament tells us that God came in Bethlehem in the presence of of the Messiah, his son born. In fact, 
Zechariah, John the Baptist's dad, when he hears about all that's going to happen, will say this. He will say, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, again in the King James Bible, because he has come and visited his people and redeemed them. But there's another clue just in closing here. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established your stronghold against your enemies. See, here's something about God. He decides to come and show His glory and His strength in the weakest and smallest, the children and the infants. And you get that theme if you read the whole of the Old Testament. Time and time and time, God comes and He chooses people that are really nothing. Women on the outskirts of society. People like Gideon who said, I'm the weakest guy from the weakest tribe from the weakest family. I'm a nobody. A shepherd boy on a hillside who his father couldn't even remember he was there. The nobodies and the nothings called by God to be his people. Israel itself, God says, I chose you not because you were strong and powerful. I chose you because you were the weakest lot of exiles that anyone could imagine. And we find that again in the New Testament, don't we? When Jesus comes, he comes to the most obscure places and spends all his time with the most obscure, rejected people right on the fringes. And yet you see, that's God's strength. Because at that point, God is saying in his salvation in Christ, you who feel so insignificant in the size of the universe, so small, so irrelevant, have immense value not because you're entitled or you've got rights, but because I care for you, put my image in you, and I have sent my son to die on a cross to say that to me, you are of infinite worth and value. And that, that is what all our worship comes to marvel at it. A gospel that comes not to say, oh, you're brilliant, but actually to say that science is correct. You are small, you are temporary, you are mortal, but you are loved. You are loved by the God who made all of this and comes to you in His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come today and we don't come to learn things, although we may have done that. We don't come to be entertained, although we may have found that. We come to worship. To worship because you love us. To worship because our life has meaning and purpose because you loved us. And so, Lord, with all the openness of our eyes, with all the techniques of exploratory science, we look at the whole of the universe and we worship you for it. And we thank you for your love. Today we would pray for those who are feeling worthless, maybe struggling with self-esteem, maybe wondering whether their life is worth it, maybe feeling completely crushed. And we would pray that into their lives, your love would shine. Lord, as we think of mission, we think simply that as we have worshipped, so you would give us the confidence to tell this tale, this story 
of your infinite love in Jesus Christ for each one of us. Bless us this week. The work we do together as a church. Bless each child that's been touched by the holiday club. That something of what was taught, shown, loved, might impact on them. And be with us. As those loved by God, we go and share this.